Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome to this AudioPie tutorial in which we'll be exploring responses to London by William Blake. Is there anything you dislike about your town or village? Maybe it's a bit boring, not much to do on the weekends. Maybe the buses are only every hour, or worse. Blake looked around himself in 1794 and wrote about his area, London. He definitely had a few complaints about it. Miserable, government-controlled, frightening, suffocating, filthy, depressing, poverty-ridden, diseased and immoral. Not surprising then that the poem he wrote, London, is pretty dark. He writes in iambic tetrameter. Iambic means foot, because it's like footsteps. Flip-flop, flip-flop. One weak syllable, then a strong one. A weak one then a strong one, and so on. The pounding rhythm signifies the never-ending drudge of city life, in every cry of every man. And it's not just the overall sound that matters, but listen out for which particular words are emphasised by this stress pattern. In every cry of every man. Misery is an epidemic in this poem, so the words cry and every are emphasised. So the rhythm almost lets us hear Blake stomping around furiously, pointing out all the flaws of London. But the poem rhymes, which makes it more fun, doesn't it? Sometimes rhymes can be cheerful and upbeat, but the alternate rhyme scheme of this poem makes it feel like an endless loop with no escape. Street, flow, meet, woe, man, fear, ban, hear, cry, appalls, Sigh, walls, hear, curse, tear, hearse. It's definitely a suffocating rhyme scheme, and it seems like the rhyming words are significant, just like with the iambic pentameter. Exactly. You could write a whole analysis only focusing on the end rhymes. They all depict pain and suffering. But what is it exactly that makes London such a hateful place to be? Well, the first stanza tells us that the speaker is walking around the city, through each chartered street and past the chartered Thames. The repetition of chartered emphasises Blake's dislike of the city's ownership. Chartered suggests that someone owns the streets and even the river, something usually symbolising freedom and life. He views it as a kind of corruption. So he's an anti-capitalist then? Is he the angriest man in London? Not necessarily. His point is that nobody there is thriving or happy. He says that every face has marks of weakness, marks of woe. Everyone is despondent. And marks is used twice, just like chartered. There's lots of repetition in this poem. That adds to the feeling of helplessness and entrapment, just like the rhyme scheme. Yes, and don't forget that every is used five times. So he's really on a rant with this one. He can't let go of the idea that everybody is suffering. Exactly. He sees it everywhere. Both man and infant, old and young, have reason to be unhappy. 
The infant's cry of fear implies that it's orphaned and afraid. Bleak stuff. When he hears all these cries, he says he really hears mind-forged manacles. What have crustaceans got to do with anything? Manacles, not barnacles. Manacles are like shackles or handcuffs, but the fact that they are mind-forged means they are all in their mind. Again, it's all about control and people not having the freedom they should. Okay, stanza three is pretty depressing. The chimney sweepers were probably children, weren't they? Most likely, and it was a very dangerous job. Children would die being crushed, suffocated, or from inhaling soot. The soot was such a problem that it would have coloured all the buildings in the city. Hence the blackening church. It sounds like more than just soot, though, like a turn to evil or the dark side or something. Indeed, Blake took an unconventional position towards organising religion for his time. Although religious, he resented the church for not helping enough. The soot from the chimneys smeared on the church building is a metaphor for blame. So this metaphor about the hapless soldier sigh—that's the same kind of idea then. If his sigh runs in blood down palace walls, then it's like saying there is blood on your hands to the palace. Definitely, Blake was a supporter of the French Revolution, which happened in France five years earlier. He was happy to see the aristocracy and unjustly privileged monarchy get overthrown. I think it's fair to say he would like the same thing to happen here. The soldiers' blood on the palace walls is a comment on innocent lives lost due to government-ordered wars. So he's talked about adults, orphaned babies, child chimney sweeps, the church, the government, soldiers. It's a shame he hasn't commented on footballers, journalists, or prostitutes. Really, one out of three isn't bad. The final stanza of the poem talks about youthful harlots. That's a young prostitute. She's angry about her lot, and so she should be. Forced into such a job to survive, she's developed all kinds of diseases, which have probably made her infertile, robbing her of her own choices in the future. So she blasts the crying of a baby and blights with plagues her clients' marriages. Probably both metaphorically speaking, but also transmitting syphilis or some other fatal disease into the marriage. That's why it's a marriage hearse, then, an oxymoron, because a hearse is a funeral car. Yep, there we have it. All very cheerful stuff. Hang on, what about those midnight streets? What about them? Midnight is a turning point, the start of a new day. Perhaps he thinks this is a chance to change the world. Maybe he wants to see a British Revolution. Two hundred years later, how much do you think has changed? There's a question. Before we leave you with that, here are some ideas on possible poems to make connections with. Contrast it with Kamikaze. Think about how the very visible pain in London compares to the soldier's hidden inner pain. Compare it with Ozymandias to see different presentations of power and corruption. Or compare it with Storm on the Island. Both focus on setting as dangerous and frightening, but one is human-driven, and the other is due to the weather, which is random and undiscriminating. That's all for now. Coming next is "Remains" by Simon Armitage. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge.
Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.